the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. So there you go. Toronto Raptors take the lead in the series. They are up 3-2 over the Sixers. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadium scene.tv network and part of the overtime media crew. This time, Kawhi did not have to do it on his own, and it was a full team effort. Joining me now to break this all down is Connor Chambers of Toronto Sports Views. Dude, quite possibly the best performance I have seen this Toronto Raptors team put on. What say ye? Yeah, uh, this is definitely by far the most impressive team victory by the Toronto Raptors. One that I thought that they were capable of and one that I thought they would repeat against the 76ers and why I thought they would win the series in five. But they'll win in six anyway, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) I mean, if they didn't uh, cough up game two by a slight margin, this would have been over in five. Yep. Yep, absolutely. there There was one bad game by Toronto in this series. One bad game. I mean, game two was... Game two wasn't great. Game two wasn't good, right. but it wasn't awful. Yeah. Game three was awful. Uh, and then I think that once game three hit, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk about this more later, but that's when, as much as we shit on Nick Nurse, that's when he really made some key adjustments in the series to allow the Raptors to play better as a team and as a unit and win game four and five. What is interesting about game five to me and the the talk of this series thus far has been how are these uh, coaches going to adjust, right? So uh, Brett Brown obviously had the first step in the adjustments. He was the one that was making uh, the proper adjustments Smart based adjustments. on game one. Yeah, based yeah. on game one. Like game one was definitely uh, one that Raptors fans could hold on to, and it was boosting their confidence. But Brett Brown did a lot of great things in response to that. And Nurse was sort of behind the curve. Like, he was definitely getting outcoached. But now you see Nurse make these adjustments. I know it's a little late in the series, but I'm still happy that I can see him capable of doing so. Finally. And you know right. what? It's it's great because you see him calling timeouts at appropriate yes. times. What? Yes. Where is this coming from? This is great. I love it. Fantastic. Great. You're, you're calling timeouts on 8-2 uh, runs, 7-0 runs, uh, even when, even if it's like a ten to four run or an, or a twelve to six run or something like that, where the momentum is slowly starting to creep back, I feel his timeouts are getting a lot better. Um, I think that this is the only series that a Marcus All and Serge Ibaka pairing on the floor is beneficial for the Raptors, and I'm all about it in this series. I think if you do that against Milwaukee, you might have trouble. Who knows? I mean, I didn't think that this pairing would work in this series. And then after game one, I'm like, we need to have both of them on the floor. They need rebounds. We're getting out rebounded. The boards aren't coming to us. We're uh, we're really weak on the interior. And Phillies, uh, Phillies, I know it's what you say all the time. <laughs> 76ers are destroying us on the glass. And we need to, uh, whether it took a couple games to finally figure that out, uh, Nick Nurse was able to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to put Gasol on, a bo- on Embiid at all times. And then Gasol and Ibaka on the floor as well and see if that helps. And it's definitely paid dividends for the Toronto Raptors. I think that was the biggest um, the biggest adjustment that Nick Nurse has made that's really allowed this team to uh, flourish. And credit him for 
I, I suppose being stubborn still when it comes to playing his bench players. Um, throughout the series, specifically against Philly, the trio of Serge, Norm, and Fred Van Vliet has been a little lackluster, and that's being generous. Just a little, eh? Just a little. Um, it, it was frustrating to me to continue uh, seeing him trot these guys out there, specifically all at once, because when you did when he did that, like that's where these long runs and disparities in the scoring uh, occur- occurred. And for me, I was just like, you need to leave your starters in. You need to run them at least like thirty-eight to forty minutes. Yeah, because the bench was just wasn't having it. Well, credit him in Game Five, where the bench like definitely stepped up and he wasn't afraid to utilize them specifically like Serge Ibaka. I don't know if Kawhi Leonard pried open his third eye with the elbow (laughs) to the top of the head, but ever since then he was on a whole nother level that I hadn't seen him in this playoff series. Um, I mean, 10 points, two rebounds, like the stat sheet doesn't look that great, but at the same time, he did show up. He played t- exactly 22 minutes. If I were to t- tell you before this game, hey, Serge Ibaka is going to play 22 minutes in game five, I have a feeling you'd be like, oh, man, that's not good. Yeah. And that's the year you're like Nostradamus is exactly what I would have said. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. Uh, one of the followers that we both have on Twitter, uh, Raptor fan, mm-hmm. uh, his tweet, or I'm not sure if it's a, if it's, I, I shouldn't be assuming genders is 2019. No, it's, um, a, it's, they, it's a dude. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, they tweeted out about how uh, Kawhi Leonard rubbed off on Serge Ibaka and that made the uh, TSN or I guess Sportsnet, right? Yeah. Sportsnet yeah. was doing it. They, it made the Sportsnet broadcast. And I thought it was funny. I, I, I got a really good chuckle out of it because it's true. It felt like this man came back possessed ready to just take over a game. It felt like you're like Serge Ibaka take over a game. What, what's going on? And maybe it was for a brief, like few minutes, but his impact on the court. I mean, that's only, that's really only what you need from Serge Ibaka. If he can impact the game positively, he doesn't have to fill the stat sheet. It, it's not the most impressive stat line that we've seen, but you felt his presence on both ends. And if he can take over for a few minutes and give those, uh, Kawhi Leonard's, Kyle Lowry's, Marcus Saul's, Pascal Siakam's of the world, a, a bit of a breather. Yeah, you take that from your from your six man. That is that that is unbelievable for a six man just to be able to do that for this Toronto Raptors team because we've got nothing out of our bench in the first three games. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Then you have to factor in Fred Van Vliet, who has been a complete no show up mm. until this point. I mean, like, even though, again, the stat line doesn't scream a great performance, when you examine how he's performed before this game, averaging one point a game, right? That's good. Yeah, one point, four total (laughs) points against uh, the 76ers, averaging one point a game before this game. He he put down five uh, in game five. So it's not amazing. But at the same time, it's a a step in the right direction for Fred Van Vliet, who was able to hold his own... Um, there was a lot of Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet pairing, and even when Kyle Lowry wasn't on the floor, I felt a lot more comfortable than I historically have this playoff series having Fred on the floor. Um, I hope this continues to trend upward. I hope this does wonders for his confidence. Um, I just don't know if this is a one-hit wonder, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, let, let's continue to build on this. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily know. I mean... Again, one sample size, like one game sample size, isn't the 
greatest. It's not hard. Right. Like it's e- either way. If if it was a negative or a positive, it's hard to quantify that in a one game sample size. But it is the playoffs, and everything is so, super magnified, and it's a sh- lot shorter of a season in the playoffs. So uh, when you're looking at it, obviously step in the right direction. Good for him. I think that the loudest ovation beside any besides anything Kawhi Leonard did was Fred Van Vliet hitting his three. I, yeah. I think yeah. everyone was like, finally, you did it. Yes, thank God. And honestly, for for a guy like Fred Van Vliet, who's come into the league with a chip on his shoulder, bet on, bet on yourself, uh, the whole nine yards, it's good for that type of player to get that confidence back because without that confidence, you see what you get with Fred Van Vliet, and that's not much. So he has to be... He has to be productive in this series, and I think that, it, or the Orlando Magic were a tough matchup for him, similar to the 76ers in the sense where they're just a big team and it's hard to shoot over them. Uh, I think once you get to teams like um, Milwaukee or a Boston, I think it's going to be a little bit better suited for a Fred VanVleet. Um, Golden State will still be tough because they are lengthy, uh, unless Steph Curry's on Fred VanVleet or something like that. Then Fred might be able to. Uh, have better spacing or at least not have someone that's super tall on him. So um, I'm hoping that once this series is well, if this series ends in a Toronto Raptors victory and they move on that Fred uh, might be able to get over this hurdle of having so many uh, tall people in his face and, and being able to create his own space off screens and getting those shots that he was getting and hitting in the regular season. It's interesting because as I mentioned at the jump of the show, Kawhi Leonard has been the anchor for this team, and that's not giving him nearly enough credit no, for the performance. That's, that's massive understatement. Yes, yes. And he's been putting up numbers and performances that, as I mentioned last show, are Michael Jordan-esque. And it's crazy. It's crazy to be able to see this level of talent in a Toronto Raptors uniform. And I sort of walked into this game thinking, all right, the the remainder of the starting lineup isn't really clicking that well. It's probably going to take a a little bit for that to happen. Um, I I was still a little trepidatious walking into this game because even though the previous performance was great, I feel like Philly is a team that you need to face with the team effort, right? If if the entire team isn't firing you might find yourselves in, in in a situation where you're you're in a setback and you might cough up the game. You can't just rely on Kawhi Leonard every time. Well, that certainly changed this game. <laughs> um, I think it was like towards the end of the first quarter that Kawhi got his first bucket on a weird layup that he was definitely fouled on. Um, but he was sharing the ball. And I, I look at this in two folds. One, that means he has confidence in the starting unit. You know, like if I feel like in today's modern NBA, superstar players that put up a a performance like he did in game four would walk into game five thinking, I can't count on you guys. I'm just going to take over. Mm -hmm. But he gave them the benefit of the doubt. Every single one of them gave him the benefit of the doubt. So much so, like, as I mentioned, he didn't score his first bucket towards the end of the first quarter. That and it shows just the leadership skills that he has. Right, This is a team effort, and he's mentioned that. He's like, it's not about the numbers I put up. It's not about putting up 50 or chasing 50 points. It's for the team to improve and for the team to win this game. And that is something that I admire. Like, It's truly a breathtaking performance, and it's, an, it's inspiring 
to see a guy not only say that, but put up those types of numbers at the same time. So having said that, Kyle Lowry, who we've been ragging on, you know, playoff Lowry, whatever, came out aggressive, right? And that is something that I needed to see from him, specifically in this Philly series, to exemplify that Philly basketball mentality, to shove it down his throat, their throats, because Kyle Lowry is pivotal for success for this team. I know Kawhi Leonard is putting, putting up the numbers. I know Pascal Siakam is the clear number two scoring option. But Kyle Lowry, to his credit, came out swinging, and I kind of wanted to give you the floor. Are you encouraged by this performance of Kyle Lowry, or are you still not sold that it might just be a back-and-forth type of thing? You need to see it on a more consistent basis. No, I, th- I, think, I, th- I think I've seen enough now, and especially... I think that Lowry has seen enough from himself to uh, understand, hey, look, I need to be better. And he's 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 come out openly and said that I need to be better because I haven't been there for Kawhi. I haven't been I haven't been that that type of person for Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, he just hasn't been able to to do that. So he's come out now and it's been super aggressive that that Lowry style that we love. At the beginning of the playoffs, I said Kyle Lowry is most effective when he's got when he's in that double double range where he's got 12, 13, 14 points and 10 assists mm-hmm. because he doesn't have to be the primary or secondary scorer. That's that's Kawhi Leonard and that's Pascal Siakam. He doesn't even have to be the third leading scorer. That could even be Marcus Saul, depending on how you want to play the game that day. But uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, uh, Kyle Lowry being that guy that's distributing and getting ball movement and attacking the rim and then also being open for threes, that creates a lot of problems on the floor. That's spacing issues for teams. It's it's a thought. They have to think about Kyle Lowry. If Kyle Lowry's putting up um, two points, four points, zero points, uh, maybe a few assists and playing decently on the defensive end, that's, that's still not a huge factor uh, for what we expect from Kyle Lowry. He has to be doing the things that he's doing. And there's this fire in his eyes now. And he's he's crucified himself openly. He said, I've been garbage. I need to be better. Right. To hear that and to see him come out and be better was enough for me, I think, personally. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I, I think that I think we mo- both might be on the same page here. But um, and with, with the fact that he said that and come out and done it in back-to-back games now, to me... Uh, until I see a bad game come out of him multiple times in a row, I think that he will be on this type of wavelength or play style for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, I think it was a matter of adjusting because in the regular season, you saw him uh, be this this general on the floor where his scoring wasn't the priority for him. It was more of playmaking and, and setting up the assists um, and this is completely different than how we've seen him perform in previous years. In previous years, he was either the number one or number two scoring option. Now he's able to take that back seat because, A, Kawhi Leonard in Pascal Siakam's breakout. So having said that, I, I think that in playoff basketball, the opposition definitely cranks it up a notch and you're expected to do the same. And I think that this was his way of finding that happy medium of kicking it to the next gear while maintaining this new role that he has to play. I, you know, I'm not a professional athlete here, so I don't know how much of a juggling act that actually is. I, I imagine that it's quite difficult. But give him credit that he's finding a groove now, and I hope that this like sort of propels them into uh, it, wrapping up the series early. 
Um, and I say early as in six games early. Um, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to have this game on Mother's Day. We don't. I I personally don't want to see a game seven on Mother's Day. That's just no, me. I don't either. I like to actually relax and spend time with my mother and not yeah. be stressed out on Mother's Day, to be honest. Uh, but it, 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 I know going back and and saying all these things and having a thirty six point blowout in game five, it's Raptor fans still need to understand it's going to be difficult to win game six on the road in Philly. It's a tough place to play. Um, it is, and that's going to be a team that I'm assuming, even though they've just been uh, embarrassed in back-to-back games, that they're going to come out and they're going to say, "Look, we we can't we, we can't be embarrassed at home again after what has just happened on the road in Toronto. That can't happen, especially with Phillies fans. Philly fans are are, are ruthless, right? Yeah. I they're they're one of the worst, but. I think that they have a lot to prove, not only to themselves as a team, but to spectators and others, their own fans, media, uh, people that are watching. Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, like Tobias Harris is looking for a max contract uh, from this series. I don't think he's going to get one. And I, and I think if a team gives him one, then they're severely overpaying. So what's Tobias Harris going to do to prove to the potential free agent suitors. Hey, look, I'm worth max dollars. This is why, because I've shown now in the playoffs, even though if I had a bad game, I come back and I respond and I'm a positive for my team. It's going to be interesting. Game six going to be tough, but um, I still think the Raptors can do it, but it will be a hell of a lot closer in game five. It's going to be, it's not going to be cakewalk, um, but it's good that the Raptors won game five. So if they do end up losing game six on the road, at least they have that cushion. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. If anybody on this 76ers team deserves a max contract, it's Jimmy Butler. And like I didn't I don't like admitting that because he's a notorious <laughs> you know, he's a notorious raptor killer. And um I, I consider him to be a, a guy like off court, I don't like him. On the court, like yeah. if he didn't have these on the court issues, I would love to see him in a Raptors jersey. But it's, one million percent, yeah, it's because of this off the court bullshit that he does and how he runs his mouth and you know just the bad mojo that I get from him. I'm just like, nah, save it, bro. Um, have you seen Have you seen that game of zones? Oh yeah, uh, do you want like about with Jimmy Butler and the and uh, and House Wolves? No, no, I haven't seen that one. Okay, no. so that was so they they started a new season. Uh, they, they've had a couple episodes now. I've seen one the was, Raptors one. Yeah. Yeah. So the first the like the first episode of this new season was when Jimmy Butler requested a trade from house wolves and it was, it was hilarious the way that they've done it. So go, go and watch it. It's funny because uh, it kind of outlines Jimmy Butler's personality to a T and I thought it was pretty, pretty well done. But uh, anyways, continue. Sorry. I didn't mean to, no, no, no. didn't mean to interrupt either. No, it's all good. Um, I just think that he's been playing out of his mind. And if anybody is guaranteed a max contract coming out of this, it's going to be Jimmy Butler. But I have to agree with you. I do still have that slight bit of hesitation of boosting my confidence up to 11 walking into Philadelphia for game six. Like I do think that the Raptors have the edge. I think they found the cheat code as to how to beat the 76er squad. I, I think that Nurse, with his adjustments, keeping Gasol glued to Embiid, Embiid's health issues that I don't know. I, I do think they're legitimate, but I think they're over-embellished when it comes to the Absolutely excuse train. Yeah. Um, 
I think Ben Simmons can't shoot, so as long as Kawhi stays on him, everything's fine. Um, I, I think that they found something, and as long as this type of this type of performance and confidence can carry over. I think the Raptors have this one even on the road, but I do agree with you. I do stress that it's not going to be easy there in no way. Do I think that it's going to mirror the game five performance? No way. No, no Uh, to, to expect that is foolish. Uh, It can happen. Sure. Anything can happen in, in basketball. We could lose by 35 points, right? Right. Like, or we, or we could win by 20, 30 points. 35 points but at the end of the day i think that there's a lot that's been exposed about the 76ers from the celtics matchup and then from the raptors matchup this year uh i think that Embiid and simmons can be on the same team uh i think that they command the same space and i think that even though Embiid's health concerns scare me, I'd rather him over Ben Simmons because I think that Ben Simmons is the most overrated player in the NBA today. No, no, Draymond Green. I, I think so. Draymond Green. Uh, no, because I don't. I don't think that. Pe- I think people are now starting to come around to the fact that Draymond Green is a system player and someone who's not an All Star. Okay. Because um, I think I I would agree with you maybe like a year or two ago. Uh, because he definitely was. I just think that people are seeing this now and they're understanding that Draymond Green's not that type of player. And 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 for me, it has shifted from Draymond Green to Ben Simmons. So like I understand like, I get that narrative. So I'll, like if that were me and I was an official scorer of the diving committee or whatever, I'll give you half a point. <laughs> but but I think I think uh he'd be a close second for me. I still think that look, people are saying that if Ben Simmons got a shot he would be a top two top three player in the nba (sighs) like no he's not i mean he's he is a player who okay i'll pull uh, as as i'm talking has been good okay speak for a second because i'm gonna pull up his his stats for the series all right first of all i do want to say that by no means do i think draymond greed is a bad player i just think he's not as good as people make him out to be no Um, yeah secondly i do want to give ben simmons credit because he has covered Kawhi well like it's not outstanding it's not like he's shutting him down or containing him but the fact that he's the guy responsible for stopping Kawhi leonard uh He's been doing an okay job. Put it this way. He's doing better than I expected him to defense. Sure. Sure. Is that fair? But I think it's, I th- I, yeah, I think it's taken away from his offensive game though. Sure. Like if you take a look, okay. Ben Simmons, this series versus the Raptors. I have it up. 9.4 points, seven rebounds, 4.6 assists per game. <laughs> That's embarrassing, That's man. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's embarrassing. You're ki- like, tell me that this guy would be a top two, top three player in the NBA if he had a jump shot. If he had a jump shot, he'd average 12 points this series. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations. I mean, like, we're talking top, what do you say, top two, top three? Um, yeah. Someone, uh, who was it? I think it was, uh, and that's, I'll take this with a grain of salt, but I want to say it was Stephen A. Smith that was saying that Ben Simmons would be a top two, top three player in the NBA. Yeah. No. Jump shot. no, he's not passing. If however you want to you know order it, he's not passing KD, yeah. he's not passing Harden, he's not passing Kawhi, he's not passing LeBron. Um, it, it, no, not passing Curry, or he's not passing Giannis. Like, like he's not. He, no, he's no. He's not. He's not even passing Damian Lillard. No, no, especially now. No, right? Not even passing yeah. passing Jokic, man. No, right? 
so there's I can name I can name ten players ahead of him that would be better even if Ben Simmons had jump shot. PG. Yes. Yeah. Even Russ. Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons right now currently is not a top twenty-five player in the NBA. That's bold. Currently, let me see. Uh, I would. I if I I could at the end of this episode I could put together. Someone came up to me and tweet at the end of this episode and they're like, "Hey, put your money where your mouth is. Top. Give me a list of twenty-five. I will compile a list of twenty-five for you. Only if you tweet at me though. Only if you interact with us on Twitter at uh, to underscore sports views or at south of the six. Okay. All right. That's fine. That's that's fair. Look, I I don't think that he's uh he's really good by any means. I don't think he's the answer, um, but I don't think he's as bad as uh, as uh, I guess maybe. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you. Put, give me a list of 25 players. Not now, obviously, right. but the, you, no, 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 you send no, no, me a no, list I'll, of 25 I'll players like. that are better yeah. than Ben Simmons. Not that I don't think they exist. I just I would like to see who would no, you. I'm, yeah, I can I like off the top of my head, I can think of at least like 15 to 20 and then I would have to come up with the other like four or five as I go through my list and write them down. Well, you figured that I don't think you f- I just don't I just don't think I think I think that he would be in like the 25 to like 30 range. Yeah. Right now in the NBA. Well, you figure there's 30 teams, so minus 1 Right, because Joel right. Embiid is, I figure, or Jimmy Butler, you can pick either one, is the best player today on the 76ers. So you pick the best player on 29 other teams. Do you think they're better than Ben Simmons? Yeah. Oh, well, all right. Well, <laughs> I, seriously, like, I, don't, I, I don't know, man. I just think that, look, even I would even say Luka Doncic is better than Ben Simmons. Wow. Okay. And that's okay. So, like, like there you go. Uh, a healthy Kristaps Porzingis is better than Ben Simmons. Yeah, I can see that. There's two, there's two players on the Mavs that are better than Ben Simmons, and that's the Mavs. They didn't even make the playoffs, right? Right. Obviously, Kristaps didn't play, but um, I'm just saying. I'm. I can think of. You know, you have your superstars in in this in the playoffs that you already know of. There's 10 to 15 guys that are that are stars or superstar status in the playoffs currently. Um, so there's your, there's your top 15. You take a, you take another look at 10 guys that aren't in the playoffs, but that are good. And I think that's, that's the list right there. I, I could, I could give you, I could give you 25, but I would have to carefully select them. I'm just not sure. I can't say off the top of my head right now. That would be way too long anyways, yeah, but that's fine. Um, well this, this can be, if you want to take a look on Twitter and see what list I put up and what our thoughts are about it. Come find it. You'll, I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. It'll be there. Um, let's uh, let's move back to the Raptors, though. Uh, a <laughs> yeah, dude that I want to give uh, credit to for having a huge bounce back game, and he needed it, was Danny Green. Danny Green needed a three point performance like this, and and he got it. I I said it on the previous show that he's due for a breakout, and when you hit five of seven from three. That's that's a breakout. That's awesome. Sure. That's 15 points right there. So credit him. He needed to get in rhythm. He needed to start feeling this from deep because we sorely missed these three-point uh, performances by Danny Green and Kyle Lowry. But sticking with Danny, uh, are you encouraged by this? Do you think this is something that can flow into game six? I 1 million percent do. I think that shooting is so... Uh, finicky, right? And, yeah. and, and when you when you take a look at Danny Green, he hasn't really had a lot of shot attempts in the postseason, and his percentages haven't been great. So the fact that, and he's he's a shooter, 
This guy was second in the NBA in three-point shooting percentage this year for the whole league. So you know that this guy is going to get his rhythm back, and he just had a stretch of four or five games where he just wasn't, A, shooting the ball, or B, he wasn't shooting the ball well. Uh, I always had faith in him to get it back, and I think that he has. Um, when you take a look at some of the passes, like Kawhi Leonard sets this guy up so oh, beautifully. Yeah. It's un- like it's it's poetic. It's majestic. It's the chemistry. It's yeah. it is it's it's the chemistry that's been brought from San Antonio, and to think that a lot of people thought a lot of Raptors fans who I would say just weren't educated on the Western Conference thought that Danny Green was a throw-in. I think are now starting to realize <laughs> Jesus Christ, this guy's a real deal. Yeah. Um, not not a household name, obviously Danny Green, but what he brings to this team, he's become a he's quickly become a fan favorite, and I think that even when he has quiet games or off games it's not expected that he's supposed to have big games but when he comes up and he starts shooting it's almost like a welcome bonus and fans are like this is great i love this guy and we have three-point shooting now someone who we can rely on to hit three-point shots this is great pascal siakam in the corner i i can close my eyes basically and and watch that go in obviously at the start of the series danny green and pascal siakam were not hitting their shots it was only a matter of time now game five, I think, sort of even gave credence to the fact that they're going to hit their shots. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when, not if. Right, right. And that was the next guy I was going to bring up. It was really nice to see Pascal Skiakum having this performance because you could tell that he just wasn't right in uh, in game four. Like He, he was definitely um, hindered by that uh, calf strain, and now it's apparently, uh, sorry, the bruised calf, and now it's apparently moved to a a hamstring issue, which that's never good, especially for your uh, your quickness and your mobility. But didn't seem to stop Pascal last night. He had a great game five, uh, outscoring Kawhi Leonard. I want to say he was the Raptors' uh, top scorer with 25. He, He was. Yeah, there you go. So, like, this is it. He's allowed to have one off game and then immediately just break out again. So, I don't want to say it was like a decoy kind of thing. I don't think that was it at all. But this is a step in the right direction. This completely uh, wipes clean of my fears of his injury. I think he's fine. Obviously, it's probably still bothering him. But I am encouraged that this is something that he can continue to play through without any sort of setbacks. Because, like, yes, hamstring issues are, could be tricky. But my argument when it came to the bruised calf is that you can't really exacerbate that, right? You can't make that worse. It's not like a broken bone or anything. Exactly. A bruise can't become more bruised when you run, <laughs> yeah. right? So it, it's, Unless you hit it again. It, exactly. Like, on the spot like the hamstring that makes me just a little bit concerned like i will be paying attention to it sure. but last night proved that nah this guy's gonna be fine yeah uh if if there were any worries about pascal siakam like think about how many games he's missed in his nba career right i can count on one hand right, right. and so this guy's essentially mr durable uh mr reliable in especially in you come into the postseason, and the last guy I think you expect to be sidelined is Pascal Siakam or Danny Green. I think both of them are. I, I think that both of them missed one or two games each this regular season, uh, which is unbelievable for for an NBA season to go 80, 81, 82 games 
and then going to the playoffs, especially for a young player like Pascal Siakam is, is good. And then an yeah. aging veteran like Danny Green, you think maybe he might need a day's rest or something. No, he's right there. He's ready to go. So to have that type of consistency going into the playoffs is nice. Uh, obviously, talking about the bruise, it's, it's a bruise. The only thing that can really heal that is time. And right. what, what did the Raptors have? They had three days of time. Uh, then they come back and they have two more days of time. So again, they have now another two days of time and you're hoping that uh, over the course of the week that it heals up better. I I think that uh, the hamstring again, to me, I am a little bit concerned about that, but uh, if it's anything like his game five performance, then I'm not concerned at all. (laughs) I just, I just want to see if it, or I just want to be leery of it festering into something more. So keep an eye out for that. But I think if it stays the same or is less of an issue than it was in Game 5, it's nothing for Raptors fans to be concerned about in the slightest. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Lastly, there was Marcus Gasol, who again uh, needed to have a good game. It's not that he was performing bad. The passing was still there. Um, and the physicality was definitely still there in terms of his matchup against Embiid. However, he was a victim of hot potatoing the ball a bunch before Game 5. And uh, last night, there was one sequence in particular that he was at the the top of the wing, wide open. Like, Simmons was giving him the room, and Gasol was looking for a pass underneath. And he realized quickly that he was wide open. He's like, fuck it. And he just shot yeah. the three yeah. and drained it. And I'm just yeah. like, that is what you have to do. That is the confidence right there. You have to pull the trigger. Don't get gun shy. Just yeah. shoot because we know you can hit it. And it's like, I, I, I hate being the guy that has to constantly compare the the person that we traded away for him. But this is the benefit of having a Gasol over a JV that you have that option, right? I feel like if it was a JV, he would be like thinking pump fake and drive to the rim, which yeah. sure might be successful, but I'd rather see the, the big man release it on a reliable clip. So with that, I'm glad he's not getting gun shy here. I'm glad that he's pulling the trigger. And this is something that I need to continue to see from him. Just like Danny Green, shoot those threes, man. If you're open, shoot them all day. Hey, shoot or shoot, baby. You know, like he he was three of five from three in uh, game five. This is a center. That's a, <laughs> This is a center. He was three for five. Uh, I want to say that in terms of percentage, he was second on the team in terms of percentage, only to Danny Green, who is five of seven. Yeah. So... Uh, if you're going to have that type of consistency and you know that you can shoot it and they're giving you that space, yeah, you might have had uh, a rough game four in terms of shooting-wise from three, but if they're going to give you that space and you're confident that you can hit it, hit it. Shoot that ball, big man. Like I'm I'm, I'm confident in you to hit those shots. Uh, I love that three. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And he was almost calling for like Serge Ibaka or someone even to come maybe set a screen or move up or get open and He's looking around. And they just—he was stares. not hiding it. No, he stares square, square into the eyes, and he's like, "I'm gonna nail this right in your face." Just yeah. Swish, and then he—that—that that look. I was howling. I was howling laughter when he hit that. I couldn't believe what I saw. I was, I'm thinking about it now, and I'm—I'm I'm laughing because of how crazy it was, and just the buildup of everything in in that play as well. And then Mark hitting that three it was almost like the nail in the coffin right there. 
that that's our own version of the airplane wings <laughs> right <laughs> take it see you later goodbye oh man it's just like i said this is the most complete team win yes that i've witnessed this team achieve since the trade deadline like since this version of the toronto raptors that we have um it's a sight to see i love it um and hopefully this as we've been saying can go into game six they can have this momentum the pendulum swinging in their direction in the positive light i hope that this is something that they can continue to do so with that said I know you and many others were claiming that the Raptors are going to take this in five. It's not happening now. I was on the mindset that they would be able to take this in six. I said, my heart is saying six. My head is saying seven. I still think they can take this in six games. As we've been saying, I do think the game in Philadelphia for game six is going to be a close one. But I I have to remain consistent. I have to remain like steadfast here and maybe a little bit stubborn. But I'm saying that the Raptors are going to win Thursday night. What say ye? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say six. Okay, uh, I'm gonna say six, and only because I said five, <laughs> and I want to be closer to five than to seven. So, I mean, I guess it's in between five and seven, but I, I just don't want this to go to seven. I I still am confident in the Raptors, even if this does go seven. But I would rather them close this out now. I think that they can close this out now. Uh, it's going to be a close game like we've alluded to already, but I would just, I don't know. It's, I, I think, I think that you're going to get an incredibly hungry 76ers team. And if you don't, then that 76ers team does not deserve to be together. They should, they should trade one of Embiid or Simmons. They should try to sign Jimmy Butler and let Tobias Harris walk and then build around those two. Mm. Honestly, I think I, I, I think that they everyone needs to step up. Even take a look. We haven't even talked about JJ Redick. Yeah, that's true. Right? JJ JJ Redick didn't get a, a clean shot at all. And that guy is hitting shots on a 45 degree angle in the air, going out of bounds towards Nav Badia. Mm-hmm. And and he's I, I can't believe the shots that this guy's hitting, but he's hitting them because he's a shooter and shooters shoot. But He's the fact that the Raptors were so in tune every time he had the ball, smothering defense. You're not you're not getting a shot because those type of threes are what brings the team back into the game, or is what in a close game, if they start hitting those, is what pulls them away. Yeah. So what we saw in our game, Danny Green and 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 Pascal Siakam starting to hit his threes and then Marcus Hall hitting threes, that started pulling us away. So uh credit Raptors defense and stopping JJ Reddick. Uh, who has had a couple of monster games, or I, I guess for him, monster games in these playoffs. But if you don't get a hungry 76ers team come game six, speaks volumes to that team, and then they should be asking themselves the same questions that Raptors fans were asking in previous years. It's going to be interesting, man. I do see the parallels between them and the Raptors, specifically when it comes... Not, we have... Just Kawhi Leonard, and I guess you could throw Danny Green to that too because I do think, he, as we've been saying, he's important. But the focus right now, the hyper-focus is on whether or not Kawhi is going to stay. I can only imagine what it's like right now being a Philly... Uh, Phil, sorry, I only said it again. A 76ers <laughs> fan. Hey, you know what? When it happens. That's, that's the, that is the curse that we have between covering baseball and basketball. Yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> I can only imagine what it's like to be a 76ers fan being worried about whether or not Butler and or Harris, like having two key players on your team that you would like to extend on a max deal, um, both of them wanting one, 
I can under, I, I can only imagine what type of anxiety that brings uh, Philadelphia fans. So um, I, I do see the parallels. I do think, though, that it would not surprise me. I, I say that it wouldn't surprise me if the 76ers came out swinging. It also wouldn't surprise me if that they come out a little bit defeated. Absolutely. Yeah, from the jump. Uh, I think I, I just I just think Joel and B needs to bring a better energy. And yeah. this was talked about. I've seen in U.S. media, and they talked about it. I think I saw on the TNT panel as well. Shaq and Chuck were talking about it. Guy looks like he just walked out of his grave. Mm-hmm. I get you're sick, man. I understand it. Listen, I and I'm not I'm not a professional athlete. Like we've we've already me and you have both established this in this podcast. So yeah. uh, it's it's hard to rag on someone while you're sitting in your in your room talking in front of a microphone, but. We, we talk about it and there's a reason why it's because we examine this stuff and we see that his body language it's man i we've we've played sports doesn't mean yes. we're professional athletes we play sports and when you play with a teammate who literally looks like he's about to collapse or doesn't look like he wants to be there because of whatever reason and that's supposed to be your guy yeah. that's supposed to be the process and he's coming out like like he's just crawled out of his grave six feet up back in the earth realm <laughs> and and he's and he's looking like that man i don't know you're a star for you're supposed to be a star for a reason you gotta act like when you can't be you can't be moping around like that man if he brings if he brings that energy to game six it's over yep they lose yep he has to he has to bring that smiling uh airplane energy if they even want a shot at game six well, hopefully he doesn't, and hopefully the Raptors oh. can wrap this up. No, real the plane, quick. the plane, the plane's left the tarmac, and it's and he's gone. That's so it. So he's 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 been left behind. That's it. Plane's gone, man. All right. Well, there you have it. Both Connor and myself have this over in six. We're predicting a Raptors win to wrap up the series. Um, and so let's wrap let's wrap up the show. Pun intended. A lot there of wraps. <laughs> um, you know the deal, dude. Your time to shine. Promote your Twitter. You already did, but do it again. Twitter, oh, yeah. everything you got going on, go for it, man. Floor is yours. I had, I had a little shameless plug there in the middle. Eh? Nah, well, I, right. I, threw, I threw you in there, too, because we, we have to give both of us. Okay, perfect. Uh, it's the beauty of independence, hear, man. You know? Honestly, honestly. Uh, if you didn't already hear, you can follow me on Twitter at T-O underscore sports views. Uh, you can check out the podcast, the TSV podcast. Uh, I haven't actually had an episode in a couple weeks. I think between work and then watching playoff sports and then trying to come up with time. I just haven't come around to it, but I think the last time I was on here, I said that we were going to get you on a podcast and I haven't done one since. So you're still due. You're, you're on deck. You're coming up into the bat, into the batter's box. So I'm in. Uh, listeners stay tuned for that. That will be out uh, relatively soon. I don't want to talk about the Blue Jays because <laughs> there's nothing to talk about. And if I talk about them, I'll get incredibly heated. I don't want to do that. So it would probably just be a Raptors podcast mainly. So stay tuned for that. It would, um, I, I think that we'll have you on once the series is over since we've done uh, this type of podcast. We'll, we'll do one when the series is over. We'll have that on the TSV podcast. Sounds good. And um, all the links to, you know, your Twitter's, the podcast all that is in the show notes i encourage everybody to go to them and subscribe to connor's podcast if you haven't already um but i do want to take this opportunity to do a little bit something personal i haven't really gotten personal on this show in a long time but i'm going to do it so we're recording this wednesday night may 8th 
Um, I just want to give a shout out to my wife. Her birthday is tomorrow, May 9th. Um, she'll be 31 years old or years young, I should say. Um, young. She puts it's up it. with a lot of shit when it comes to me, like a lot. And uh, she's very, very, very patient when it comes to me doing this podcast so everybody can listen to it. And she's very patient with me when it comes to just life in general. So if it wasn't for her, this thing would have never started and I wouldn't be able to be uh, as encouraged and as vulnerable for the show as I am right now. So happy birthday, Cindy. I love you. And thanks for your support. That's it. That's all I got. Wow. That's that's awesome, man! Happy yeah. birthday, Cindy! Thirty-one yeah. years, good for you. Wait, you, you, you're, you're an honestly, you're an angel for putting up with this guy. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. And with that, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, go Raptors, man. We'll talk soon. Go Raptors, baby. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors.